Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. I just want to speak to you this morning about shaking. I believe the Lord wants to shake things. If I say shake, I think a lot of you might think about that drink that you drink when you go to the gym, a shake, or you might be thinking about that smoothie that you, uh, you put together in the morning before you, you get up, Russian, or you might be thinking about uh, what Pete does, shaky, shaky when he dances, um, which is lovely, or what you do your husband in the morning when he's late for work, you shake them to wake them up. But actually, I want to speak to you about something that I believe it's in the Bible that God does all the time. He shakes things. God does a lot of shaking and he wants to shake us. When revival comes, God shakes things up, doesn't it? When people start to see the glory of God in a different way, they start to worship God in a different way. The glory and the power of God comes. And often when we say the glory, we, are, we think about the glory as the, the magnificence, the beauty and of God. Yeah, it is. But also is the intensity and the weight of God. Yeah, for the first time, people begin to realize the weight of the glory of God. And that's why Paul talks about the weight of glory. Its weight is dense, is intense, because God is shaking things up. And I believe that's what God wants to do here. He wants to bring His glory that you, for the first time, experience of God in a powerful way that you've ever experienced before. And I, I know in the Bible there's a lot of moments, and we want to look at them now, moments where God begins to shake things and in a powerful way. The first one is in Exodus 19. And if you, you have your Bible, you can turn to Exodus 19. What happens in Exodus 19 is that the Israelites have been set free by God from Egypt. They've encountered the power of God. They've not seen anything like this. They see power. They go as of dry land. Moses is leading them. He's doing miraculous powers with his staff. And then they literally cross over and they see this pillar of cloud and, and fire. God is leading them and he's with them. But for the first time, God is about to be in their midst. He's about to be with them in the camp. And he, he leads them from Rephidim all the way to Mount Sinai. And when they camp at Mount Sinai, God is saying, I'm about to shake the mountain. And when I shake the mountain, I am going to encounter you like you've never encountered God before. And this is for the first time that they have this close encounter with God. They knew that God had been with them. He's the one who caused the plagues in Egypt. They knew he's the one who parted the sea. They knew he's the one who fought their battles. They knew he was the one who led them to the mountain, rescued them. And they are now about to not only hear about this God or see him from a distance, but they are about to experience him in a dense and powerful way. And the way he demonstrated that by, by shaking things. It says after Moses, verse 14, had gone down, 
the mountain to the people. He consecrated them and they washed their clothes. This is the moment they are about to meet with God. Then he said to the people, prepare yourself for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of, on, of the third day, there was a thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountains and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently as the sound of the trumpets grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. For the first time, they are encountering God differently. For the first time, God communes with his people. And I believe that God wants to commune with you. I believe that because a lot of the time, what can happen, especially in the 21st century, is that we feel we've mastered our church, isn't it? You come to church, I know what it's like. Today, I know who's going to lead worship. I know Daryl is going to lead. I think I know the songs he's going to play. I think I know how Daniel is, Daniel is going to preach. I think I know how it all is going to work today. The, you know, you're thinking God is predictable. And uh, we think, okay, and then we finish. We're singing a few songs. I'll stay where I am. We sing a few songs. And then when we finish, we go and have coffee, or we might actually consider Nando's next door. Praise God for Nando's. Um, and then when we finish Nando's, we go home and we carry on with our day, like nothing has happened. No, we carry on with our week. Maybe we'll go out as couples, or maybe we'll have a nice meal later with our friends. But when God shakes things up, things change for the first time and I would love to say to you if God wants to commune with you it means he wants to change things in this place that worship doesn't just become a uh, oh we're just gonna sing a few songs but actually God is gonna encounter you in a particular way that you're gonna expect come expectant that he's going to do something he's never done before. And, um, and as you enter the room, by the way, let me just say this. When you enter the room this morning, um, you were not primarily coming to meet with the people at Trinity. You were primarily coming to meet with the God of heaven. Amen. And if that's the case, and you met with the God of heaven, and you went home, and nothing changed, something is wrong. And, and nothing is wrong with the preacher, not myself, I'm trying to excuse myself here. <laughs> nothing wrong with the preacher, nothing wrong with the person who, who plays or sings songs here. It's his faith and expecting God that we come here and God is going to do something and we believe he's going to do it. May we never just go coasting along and just singing songs and just expecting the week to be the same. May our weeks be different from now on. Because when God comes to commune, it changes your life. It is the God who meets with Israel and he says, for the first time today, you can't touch that. 
The fruit of the mountain, if you touch it, you're going to die. And they hear stuff like that. And they hear that only Moses is to ascend the mountain. This is new. They've never seen anything like this. This billow of clouds from the mountain. This fire that's coming from the mountain. There's an encounter with God. And for the first time, they knew God, who was a God who was up there, high in the sky, somewhere. But for the first time, they see God. And I hope and I long for a day that we actually see God here. And if we go around and ask every individual here, it's not, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, Daniel preached okay. Yeah, the worship was all right. I kind of like that song. Oh, I'm distracted looking out there, waking up what's going on. We encounter God and we go deeper in God and we come the out of here changed. Amen? That's what we're looking for. The church is where we come to encounter God in a powerful, dense, supernatural way. And we come out of that place, change, so that we might change our, our city. We cannot change this city if we ourselves are not daily changed by God. A disciple is someone who's daily been transformed by God from one degree of glory to another. And I do believe that God wants to do something here. And even today, by the way, when I said, let's stand up, I'm sure some of you thought, oh, what are we going to do again? Do things with faith. Always come expectant. Always expect God to do something powerful. Even with the small things, God can do the supernatural. Let's believe God here. Can we believe God that God will come, the glory of God will be so powerful here that it says in the Bible the priests will not even, could not even stand when the glory came in the temple. Hey, we've got a better temple, which is this. And in this temple, God will always be here. Why don't we come expecting? Amen? Amen. Who longs for God to come into their lives in a powerful way? Hey, revival will start in this place. It can start here. A lot of you, your expectations are everything that of the power of God is going to start from maybe HTV or a big church. You don't know how God works. So praise God for HTV. And I want for Him to do that. But He can do it through this. He can do it through you. He can do something that will change and shape the dynamic of Christianity in the whole city that will go from here and change the nations of the world. But we gotta learn to say, we come now to meet with you and build such a strong, deep relationship with you. We wanna commune with God. We wanna encounter Him. We wanna have a deep relationship with Him. We don't just wanna sing songs. We, we don't just wanna listen to a sermon. We, we listen songs by faith. Which every line is by faith. Yes. Every time I'm listening to a sermon, it's not just about the person speaking, I'm receiving it by faith. Yes. Every conversation we have, we are blessing one another by faith. Can the church begin to become a church again and become very dynamic? And I'm calling you to pray that God will make you a dynamic church. Yes. Let's seek God together. Let's know Him and encounter Him. John Owen, one of the great Puritans, in his book, Communion with God, he says, So much as we see of the love of God, so much shall we delight in Him, and no more. If you see, if you ask Him to reveal Himself to you, because if you see Him, He will transform you. He will change your life. Friends, we can't go home and come back and 
get stuck in this rut of life without encountering God. And this place be a place where we encounter God. That sometimes we can change things, it's okay. It's okay to change things, not for the sake of change. Change doesn't bring God, but because God is there and he wants to do something that we haven't seen before. God shakes Israel by shaking the mountain and God wants to shake us, okay? He's the God who communes with his people. Number two, he's the God who shakes us in order to redeem us and to rescue us. Psalm 18. Sorry, I'm doing a whistle stop tour, as you can see. This is what it says. If you read from verse 4, it says, sorry, from verse 3, it says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I'm saved from my enemies. The cause of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cause of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. What, did, what happened? Verse 7. The earth reels and rocks. The foundation of the mountains trembled, the shaking again, and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coal flamed from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds, thick dark clouds with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coal of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coal of fire, and he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He, he fleshed out forth lightnings and routed them, then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world laid bare. At your rebuke, O Lord, at, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils, he sent from on high. He took me, drew me out, out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemies and from those who hated me for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. Amen. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Amen. And then I want to end that psalm with the beginning. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold is the Lord. The Lord shakes things up, not, because, not just because he wants to commune with us. The Lord shakes this up in order to redeem us and to rescue us. 
and the Lord is still in a, on a mission of rescue and redemption even right now. This event sounds very cataclysmic. It sounds very earth-shattering. God is riding over a cherub. He's coming on wings of a cherub. He's coming to heaven, to earth. He's breaking the waters and he can see the depths of the waters of the sea. The Lord is just marching like a man of war and he's come. Why is the Lord coming? Because I'm in trouble. Because I have no one to defend me. Because my enemies have surrounded me. Because I'm caught in this snare that I can't actually deliver myself from. The Lord is coming. The Lord, here he comes. He is the Lord. The, the cloud comes and covers him. And there he comes. He's the Lord who comes. He has his own shield. That is the shield of heaven. And he's riding on this great angelic being that he brings his army of heaven to come. Only for me, the Lord comes to deliver me. He is my deliverer, the only one who can rescue me. When I'm caught, when I'm in debt, the Lord will rescue me. When I am in trouble at work, He is coming. When I am in trouble because someone in my family is sick and I don't know who to cry, the Lord is coming. Here He comes riding. He's going to fight my battle. My enemies are encroaching and encroaching. The Lord is coming. Here he comes. And let me tell you this. What does he do? He wins every battle. And there he says that he rescued me. He is my fortress. He is my stronghold. He is my shield. I take refuge in the Lord. But the way he does it is as the earth shatters. The earth trembles because the Lord is here. If God can shatter things and trip, it can cause a shaking because he's coming for us to deliver us. He's the God who delivers. And I want to say to you today, you're probably sitting there and you're thinking, I know we're talking about encountering God and all that, but actually where I am right now in my life, oh, you, you, don't, you can't believe it. I'm almost losing my job. The Lord is my shield. I'm, all, I'm, I'm going through a very difficult time. You know, someone, a member of my family is in the hospital. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the one who encounters you. He is the one who sits there even when there are no people there. Last night, I get a call from my wife, Emily, at home. She's crying and she said, oh, our son is, uh, fell and split his chin and there's blood everywhere. And I'm thinking, Lord, why is it every time I trouble something like this? What do you do? You can panic. Maybe you are used to living in this state of anxiety and panic. And that's where you, that's who you are. You've slaughtered in that and that's become your default place. God wants to rescue. He's coming to rescue you. And he will deliver you. And yesterday, praise God, Caden is playing now. He's at home. Well, his, his chin, because it's here, well, they, they were able to glue him nicely. But he's got this thing. He's got, it looks like he's, he's about to shave. And he's, got, he's got foam over him. But it's just their plaster and the things that they put over him. And, and I, I was there with you guys. And I, one minute I felt like panicking. I felt like, oh, should I, should I go home? But I just call on to the Lord. May we learn to have that posture when we are caught in trouble. A posture of saying, you will come and deliver me. 
You are who you are. You did it on the cross and you will do it again. You are the Lord. I can trust you. You are reliable. You are the God who will come. You are my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. I take refuge in the Lord. Can we take refuge in the Lord? And the Lord wants to shape things in your life today. He wants to shift your focus from relying on sorting problems out in your own strength today. And shake things out so that you might focus on it. Let the Lord do the shaking today. God shakes the psalmist by shaking his enemies. And God will shake. Number three. Isaiah 6. I'm sure we used to just stay in one uh, page and just doing a nice exposition. But today we're flicking a lot. And uh, I hope that's okay. It says in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Above him were seraphim. And each has six wings, with two wings covered their faces, two wings that covered their feet, with two wings that were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then he says, The sound of their voices, at the sound, sorry, at the sound of their voices, doors, posts, and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And then later, verse 8, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Isaiah receives a commission to proclaim the gospel. Again, it feels like Isaiah is in the presence of the Holy God. Often, when I have thought about this passage, I thought Isaiah was probably in the temple and uh, sort of there's a bit of shaking there, the threshold, the doorpost is shaking. God is here, the train of his robe filled the temple, which means he was there trying to work it out. Well, my goodness, am I going to see God? Because of but actually, I think God is bigger than that. I think Isaiah sees this amazing vision of the Lord, but actually, it's only his train that is in the, tem- is a, is in the temple. The Lord is high. I saw him high and lifted up. Above the heavens, he's high and lifted up. In the vision, he's not just seeing a God who can be contained in the temple. He's seeing a God who's above the temple. And only the train of his robe fills the temple. And, and he sees and hears the temple. There's a shaking in the temple. And for some reason, there are all these creatures or, or these beings called... I mean, this is the first time and the only time they mention in the Bible, seraphim. And, and they're calling out. They're not talking to God because they can't address him directly because he's too holy. He's up there. He's pure and spotless and mighty. They're calling out to each other. This is how they address the Lord. They're talking holy, holy, holy because the Lord is so great. And often, I used to think that there were probably six. I don't know why I thought there were probably six. I used to think that there were, but it's because maybe they have six wings. What if there were a million above the Lord? And I used to think that maybe they were tiny, like the ones that you see in paintings, little angels with chubby cheeks. But these are seraphim, mighty, fiery ones. They are all covered with fire. And yet, 
they could not even look at the one who is on the throne. Like I said, they just they're just worshiping and worshiping and worshiping. And I thought maybe they would be saying holy, holy is like holy, like we say on a on a Sunday. But I think because the doorposts that the you know, shook, this was powerful. Maybe like an F thirty five going past London. And it breaks the, the sound barrier somehow. Maybe one of them will say holy and the sound barrier is broken. And you think, what was that? And everything shakes. But they're just servants who serve the one who's on the throne. He's so exalted, he's mighty, he's high, he's lifted up. You can't even look at him as, I mean, if you saw a seraph, you'll probably be thinking, oh, they'll bar, but actually they're nothing compared to this one. Who's on the throne today? And sometimes we, we can tinker with truth, isn't it? Or we can tinker with the gospel. We can tinker with, hey, we serve the one that even angels look at him because he's too holy. He's so spotless. He's above everything. And the syrup, they spend all their time, 365 days of the year, calling on to the Lord and they are enjoying it. And Isaiah is brought in to eavesdrop on the conversation that is happening in heaven because I'm sure it was the triune God having a conversation. They were not talking to Isaiah and saying, Who shall I send Isaiah? <laughs> Sounded like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, they're having a conversation. Who will go for us? And Isaiah is just sitting and he sees how creation, the place where creation was founded, the place where creation was formed and all that. And he says, in that place, worship is so central to everything. And he wants to see that replicated all around his world and where he lived. And he sees the benefit of being part of this amazing picture here. And he says, if this is what it looks like, I want it everywhere else. And he says, if the angels are worshipping like this and they're delighted in what they're doing, why can't the nations also delight in worshipping? I will go and tell them. I don't think he said, I will go! But he was so in awe that he probably said, I will go. Because he's seen the Lord. And I believe that this is the greatest vision you could ever have. The vision of the God who deserves worship and see that and it captures your heart to a point that you see everybody needs to see this. Everybody needs to be part of this. Everybody needs to be in this moment right now. Do you know what? As we were praying today, Liz prayed about the people groups around the world who don't know Jesus. Everybody deserves to be here. Well, deserve, or could have the opportunity, if only they could have the opportunity to be here. If only they can see what I'm seeing here. If only they can see the glory of God. They will be right where they belong. And I hope and I trust and I pray that we'll not just commune with God. That we'll not just see God as our rescue and our deliverer and say he's here. But we'll also know that everyone else out there, if they can encounter what we encounter here, the world will be changed forever for his glory. And it will fill the whole creation with that picture over there. And I trust and believe. I trust and believe that that's what God wants to do. He wants to shake things.
He wants to shake you as a church to be those who encounter him and in say, we so enjoy this that it will be a problem if the world is not enjoying this because it's just so where the world belongs. Is that okay? Yes. All right, I'll be quick now and just um, last one. Acts 4, 23 to 31. I'm not going to read the whole thing because of time. Peter and the disciples. So now we're in the, in the, in the book of Acts. We're in the New Testament. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported to all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servants. And then they they'd go on to pray. Then it says in verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You might be thinking, what does that mean? Here is a group of people who have encountered God and they're being persecuted and the first thing they do is they gather together like we are gathered today and they pray and they seek the face of God together and while they're praying there and calling out to God sovereign Lord you who created the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them come now why do the people rage and the people you know the kings of the earth plot in vain against the Lord and his anointed as they were praying the whole place shook there was a shaking and the Holy Spirit came and filled their hearts and filled the place where they were. It was such a visible shaking. Well, it's interesting what happens after that when they pray. I don't know how Luke can go from this amazing moment to everyone who had stuff, they just shared with one another. And there was grace. People were selling their houses and their fields. And there's a man called Barnabas who sold his field and put the money at the apostles' feet. You see, when there's shaking, God does the impossible in our midst. And one of the impossible things is that He comes into our lives and He, he shapes some of the things that sometimes we are not able to release from ourselves. We've, we are holding on to, he's able to deal with them. And I'm sure generosity is one of the things that sometimes we pray for. And I, think, I just want to be generous, Lord. But when the moment comes and God says, yeah, why don't you take your shoes and give them to that person? Yeah, maybe not the shoes, Lord. Maybe something else. But God wants to challenge us. That he wants to shake us in the area of generosity. Can I speak to you about generosity? Okay, good. I'm glad you said that because uh, 
having lived in the UK many years ago for a while, I know it's not easy to talk about money, right? <laughs> I want to talk to you about money. And one of the things that we've learned to do in Dubai is to not make money such a taboo, something nobody talks about. Um, you know, I know culturally that's hard to talk about money, but I just want to say this. I believe God wants to bring a different culture. He wants to shape them so that we are free to talk. We are free to talk about generosity. We are free to talk from the pulpit here and say, God wants your money to bless the nations. Can I say that without being controversial? Yeah. Is that okay? Yes. Can we get used to saying that without being controversial? Yeah. Why would Barnabas sell his field and give and put the money at the apostles' feet. I'm not asking you for your money to, for me. I'm saying God is calling you here because he wants to do something powerful through your resources that mixed with faith, with don't, don't do anything without faith because there's nothing, okay? Mixed with faith, God wants to stimulate a culture of generosity, okay? In our church, we don't just we don't talk about giving um, when we have this special offering for regions beyond alone or a special offering. We talk a lot. Why? Because we just relaxed about it, and we're not obsessed about money, and we are not a prosperity church or a prosperity gospel church. Why? Because as a pastor, I've learned to just be who I am before the church and say, and they get used to me bringing my. My bucket, it's not a basket, it's a, it's a deep basket, and say, guys, here we are, we are going to take up an offering because we have our brothers and sisters in Nepal that we're going to bless today. And I'm always amazed at the generosity of our church. And now we've built that resilience in faith when it comes to money. It's God's money anyway. And in fact, it's not about how much of your money you can give to God. Is about how much of God's money you can keep. And how much does he allow you to keep? <laughs> is he going to allow you? How much is it? Sometimes we feel like we have rights over. It's my money. I work really hard. A man works hard, but it is the Lord who provides. Okay? If God has provided, we should be the most generous people on the face of the earth. The church should be the most generous agent of God's blessing all over the earth. And this church will overflow in generosity. And let's, let us be the most generous. And if I'm not asking you, let's give 10%. I'm talking about the grace of giving. Do you know what that means? Over and above. Yeah. When we are surprising ourselves, I would love for us to have stories and stories of the blessing and the grace of God in our giving from here. To hear, guys, we thought this was going to be the case, but God has blessed us this way. I remember as we were coming out of the pandemic, uh, I felt we needed to go and get out our own warehouse. We had no money. Hannah waits, Hannah, she will testify to the fact. <laughs> we had no money and we trusted God. And I said before the church, I said, I've just been to see a building and uh, look at this, I've got a key here. It's a very rusty key, but this rusty key is gonna open many doors for us. And, uh, and I said, I've heard from God. I don't know where the money is going to come from, but I trust God he's going to stay generosity here. Yes. And as he stays, we're going to see. Now we're meeting in that building. 
and it looks actually quite spectacular and amazing. Would you say? Because God is doing it. And you need you need those kind of stories in this church. Okay, the stories of generosity. They have their story in the Bible. What is your story? All right. Not only we don't tell don't tell our church. Russian, you're not allowed to say anything. But we're already thinking of another building twice the size of what we've got. Why? Because God was able to give us the measure of grace and now he's giving us a bigger measure. Okay? And is it possible? God can make it possible. I've just heard because we have the business arm. Sorry, how much time do I have? A minute? Okay. We have a... We have the church and then we're running it, yeah, the building is a business. I've just been told that we are actually making profit. I was like, oh, right, well, that's good, because I don't run that area at all. So I said to the guys, can I say something to you? They said, yes. I said, is it possible that, I don't know how much money we would have at the end of the year, is it possible that we commit 20% of that to the regions beyond? over and above the special offering that we made, we had. So at the end of the year, I don't know, whether it's a two dirhams or 200 dirhams, 2,000 dirhams, 20,000 dirhams, 200,000, whatever it is, we just want to sow it into the kingdom. And the rest of it, not for Dubai. Because we want to take all the money in Dubai and for the glory of God and send it to the nations. And that's why we, we did that. And our, Almost every month, we are taking up an offering and sending money outside and blessing the nations. Why? Because we just build a culture. Build a culture here where we are generous. And I want, what I want to ask you is that when you go home today, if you are married, have the talk. And say, how are we doing in this? Fusi mentioned it, but how are we, let's be honest, how are we doing in this? And there are some corrections that need to be made in this place. Amen? Yeah. Can I talk to you like that? Is that okay? Yeah. And uh, if they're wife, please be nudging a little bit and say, come on, we need to talk about it. Don't avoid it. We grow in this. And, and God is going to grow us. God is going to give us more spiritual muscles and muscles and muscles. Who knows what your blessing will do in this nation and beyond. So let's grow in this together. It soul everything. And... It's amazing how the gospel went forth and went further beyond that. And I just would love to give, if I'm allowed to give permission to the elders here to talk about this or Lord, as much as God gives them grace, but not obsession, not at all. That's what I'm, what I'm referring to. And the way we do offering at, in, in Dubai is that we put it at the front. Because we don't have a bank account, and uh, we don't sit at home and just wire the money in. But every Sunday, I have to, throughout the week, I have to be thinking about this. And throughout the week, I have to be thinking, God, I will go into that faith, give to you. And every Sunday, I take that step of faith and walk and put it in the by faith. Because every Sunday, I'm asking the question, Lord, would you give? Can you give me faith for giving today? It's not just, oh yeah, as a family we've decided we have a, a what do you call it? A stand, stand, standing on, it's just, there's nothing wrong with standing on. It's just going in there. You know, I don't even know what's going on. I just want, even if you're doing standing on that here, may the Lord step faith. 
and for the size of the congregation you are, God can do powerful things for you. Yes. Let's be generous. Amen. Let God shape that as well in your church. Amen. And may He shape that in your heart right now. Amen. Amen. Let this be a, a culture of generosity and let generosity overflow in this place. Amen. I'm glad I talked about it. I, don't, I can talk about it. I'm happy to talk about it. I don't feel ashamed to talk about it because everything that we just sometimes keep a secret that nobody talks about, that's what the enemy loves. He loves the secret things that nobody talks about and that's where he gets hold of us. And uh, let's be open about these things. Amen? Amen. Amen.